Hello, and welcome into BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Root of BTN.com. And although we are in the middle of football season, where this time of year we usually do football-focused episodes of the Take 10 Podcast, this week we're going to switch it up a little bit. Since the NBA season is getting underway, it actually got underway last night, if you listen to this on Wednesday, brought in a very special guest, a uh, current active NBA player who plays for the Houston Rockets, is a former Indiana Hoosiers guard, and if you're a fan of Indiana basketball or the Houston Rockets, you probably know already, that guest is Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon was a one-and-done player in Indiana, and he's uh, entering his 11th season in the NBA, and since we were able to get him on this week, we deviated from our usual schedule of having football-focused episodes and uh, talked some basketball with Eric Gordon, both NBA and his time in college. So, really cool to have him on, and um, we did talk college football, so it's not all basketball in this episode. We definitely had to address what happened last week in uh, the Big Ten and look ahead to this upcoming weekend of Big Ten football, and we did that with our regular static segment with Harold Shelton. So my chat with Harold will come up after the 15-20 minute interview with Eric Gordon, so we'll get uh, plenty of basketball and plenty of football talk in this episode, and we'll probably get back to our uh, regularly scheduled football-focused episodes next week where we bring in a national football writer to break down the national landscape as well as what's going on in the Big Ten. Also heads up on programming, uh, probably have another episode later this week, probably Thursday, detailing what went down at Big Ten Basketball Media Days last week in the Chicagoland area. I was able to catch up with Mike DeCourcy, who was at Media Days, sat through the press conferences, interacted, shook some hands, you know, got the lay of the land, and reported back to me not only with what he saw, what he observed last week in Rosemont, but we also got deep into a Big Ten basketball preview with the season coming up in just a couple weeks. So plenty of basketball stuff for you this week here on the Big Ten Podcast. Look out for that episode with Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News coming up later this week. But we got a very special guest, as I mentioned at the top this week, with Eric Gordon of the Houston Rockets. And then our stat head segment is uh, regularly scheduled with Harold Shelton. And we'll get to those interviews in just a moment. Before we do, I want to tell you about a master's program at Northwestern University School of Professional Studies. If you've ever thought about a career in sports, check out the master's program in sports administration at Northwestern University. You can build your skill set and your network in evening or online classes. You can find out more at sps.northwestern.edu slash sports. All right, now we'll get to our first interview of this episode, and that is a discussion with, as I mentioned at the top, Eric Gordon of the Houston Rockets, 10-year NBA vet, former Indiana Hoosier. And that discussion starts right now. Very pleased to be joined by former Indiana Hoosier, a 10-year NBA vet, 2017 Sixth Man of the Year, and three-point champ. He's currently a guard for the Houston Rockets. It's Eric Gordon. Eric, what's up, man? Thanks for joining me. Hello. What's going on, man? Not much. I uh, really appreciate you coming on. And I assume it's a, a busy time, an exciting time of year for you because on Wednesday, that's tomorrow, you start your third season with the Rockets by tipping off against your former team, the New Orleans Pelicans. And with this being your 11th go-around in the NBA, does opening night like feel any different than maybe it did earlier in your career for you? No, uh, definitely. You know, it's always exciting. Um, but, you know, as you, know, as, as, uh, you play so many years in the NBA, it becomes, you know, almost natural, you know, instead of a, more of, a, of an excitement. Yeah, and I definitely want to get into the NBA a little more and, and – discuss the Houston Rockets in just a little bit, but since this is a Big Ten podcast, I want to get into your Indiana roots and your Hoosier background a little bit first, and I think a good place to start is the recent commitment of Romeo Langford to Indiana with the uh, season coming up here soon. He's a guy that's coming in with kind of a similar level of hype 
to when you did being Mr. Basketball in Indiana. So first off, what was your reaction when IU landed Romeo, and, and what are your expectations for him, and what is likely his only season with the Hoosiers? Well, it definitely means a lot for him to be a part of the uh, Hoosier, <clears throat> being a Hoosier, and, you know, it just means a lot because I like to see big-time players go to a school like Indiana where, you know, big, big-time big history and uh, so, you know, win a bunch of games and hopefully bring in other big-time players in the long haul. So uh, I was very excited uh, for him to go to IU. Yeah, and since you kind of went through that one-and-done season, especially being an Indiana kid where all eyes are kind of on you and you're in that fishbowl, did you maybe have any, like, advice for Romeo on how to handle being a freshman phenom or maybe just something you wish you'd known 11 years ago when you were about to go through that same experience in Bloomington? Well, for him to continue doing the things that he's been doing along throughout his whole career, and that's really dominating, being the best player on the floor in practice and in games, and, uh, you know, just kind of have that trait of, of doing that, you know, play well on both ends of the floor, just make a major, major impact. Because, uh, you know, as you... <clears throat> You know, as you're in college, you, you want to make the most impact as you can. Like, I just didn't want to be there and be a good player. I also wanted to win games, give fans and, uh, you know, fans, players, coaches, you know, something exciting to, uh, of what they have. Yeah, and judging by your social media and just kind of your level of engagement with the program since you left IU, it seems like you're a huge Hoosiers fan to this day, and, and I assume you still follow that program really closely? Yeah, yeah, I follow program very closely. I watch... I don't know, probably around eighty percent of the games during their season to see how they look. And uh, you know, I'm still hopeful for the best for them. You know, I, you know, once you're part of the IU culture, you know, you never leave it. So um, I, I'm just, you know, uh, glad I went to IU and I always watch these guys. Yeah, and I want to get your take on the current Hoosiers in just a little bit, but first. I want to dive into your experience you had there. Uh, obviously, your recruiting process was highly publicized. You're an in-state kid, one of the best players in the country. Did that whole recruiting process or anything that kind of led up to getting on the court there, did that ever get overwhelming for you just as like a 17, 18-year-old kid? Uh, it does get overwhelming, but uh, I think kind of changed now. Like, uh, you know, with these kids now, the hype is there, but it's not really overwhelming. Uh you know, it's just, you know, at the end of the day, I just, you know, I'm, I'm a basketball player and I wanted to be the best that I could be. And uh, and once I got to IU, I was like, man, I, I want to do well and, and win. And, you know, that's what everybody really wants to see. Right. And just looking back at that one season you did play at Indiana, do you have any memories from that season that stand out to you above the rest when you look back, like any games, plays, or experiences that you cherish in particular? Uh, you know, one of the greatest memories is winning that game in Illinois. That meant a lot to me there because I really didn't ever want to lose to them. Uh, so we beat them home in a way. So uh, a lot of good things that year. It just didn't end well. It, it just didn't end the way we wanted to. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up that game against Illinois because uh, personally as a kid growing up in Illinois, that game really stood out to me as well. Uh, I was in attendance at that one. And for those who don't know the story, you know, you changed your mind after committing to Illinois and then you obviously ended up in Indiana and the environment that Illinois game was hostile, to say the least. So how high does that bank shot that you made against Illinois to send the game to OT rank in your list of college moments? It has to be number one because uh, one thing, I didn't want to lose to them. I didn't want to, you know, look back and be like, man, these guys beat me. But, uh, but yeah, I'm glad I hit that shot and uh, made a well, I made a lot for me and Samson and the team. So, um, you know, it was just a, you know, a, Good moment for me and my family, for sure. 
Yeah, that game ended up a double overtime victory for Indiana. And I'm sure you remember the uh, chest bump from Chester Fraser during those pregame intros. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's just just a clown move. But I'm just glad that, you know, we took, you know, we just took care of business and stayed the task. Did that motivate you uh, extra when, when that happened? Oh, for sure. That's for sure. You know, that definitely motivated me. I just wanted to win. I didn't care, didn't care what, uh, what else and anything else that happened. But, but yeah, we just we came out on top. That's what all what matters. Just if I could ask what personally went into that decision, what was the deciding factor that, that uh, made you ultimately end up in Indiana? Well, uh, to me, it was really the coach, the coaches, uh, was really led me over time because I've always wanted to go to IU. I, I really all, all that was like my my dream was to go to IU. And uh, when Coach Tessa went there, I was like, how could he? You know, he's 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 such a good coach because I've seen him when he was in Oklahoma. He won with the uh, guys that are not as talented. So when I was like, man, if I can get there with DJ White and you know Armand Bassett and some of these other guys. I was like, man, we, we can really have a chance to do something special here. So uh, my dad's college coach, I mean, my dad's college coach was, uh, he was a part of the, um, he was uh, one of the coaches. And you had Ray McCallum, he's a good guy that I've known. Uh, so you had a bunch of really good experienced coaches that I've known for a long time. And uh, and they were just all there. So it just made me more even more comfortable. Right. And you mentioned the season didn't turn out the way you wanted, but uh, still a really strong season. You tore it up at IU, 21 points a game, and you had a one-and-done type year for sure, and that was reflected in your uh, draft position being taken seventh overall. Was there ever a consideration that you might go back to school, or did you know pretty much uh, when that season wrapped up that you were going to the league? Well, it all it all depended on that season. Uh, I was only going to go if I was a lottery pick, and, and that, was my, that was the only reason if I was going to stay if I wasn't a lottery pick. So, um, you know, that was my thought process. Definitely. How often do you get uh, back to campus, back to IU? Man, I haven't been back in a little while, but I do keep in contact with uh, Archie Miller, the head coach. I still have contact with him, but uh, just to see and see what's going on and see what see what direction the team is going. So uh, uh, I haven't been back in a while. It's been a while since I haven't really been back since my brother played there. But uh, but as far as you know, knowing everything of what's going on down there, I know everything of what's going on down there right now. Yeah, and in the decade since you left, I mean, there's been some serious ups and downs for that program. How do you kind of evaluate overall the past decade of Hoosier basketball uh, since you left? Um, well, it has changed. You know, you, you know, you you just don't feel the high expectation as much right now. I know times have changed where you know the history is well known for you know, winning championships or having a, you know, championship caliber team. But uh, it's, you know, you know, you just got to bring that back. And uh, I think Archie Miller, he's going to do a good job. That's why he got Romeo Langford. I'm telling you, when you get guys like him, all you need is just a couple of guys like him and get some good size in the Big Ten. There's, you know, if you have good size and good athletes, you're going to win a good, you're going to win a ton of games. And, uh, you know, that's what I like to see at IU. Yeah, Indiana's my pick this year to have kind of the biggest leap from last year. I think they could be a top three or four Big Ten team. Definitely keep an eye on them. Um, and before I want to let, let you go, I did want to ask a few NBA questions, especially at the season starting for you guys Wednesday night. Um, advancing as far as you did last season, getting to a 
Game 7 of a conference finals and coming so close to beating Golden State. Does that change how you approach an offseason at all personally, or were things pretty standard for you this summer? Um, well, I always, you know, kind of look back at what some of the weaknesses that I needed to do during the season during this past season to even get better. And, um, you know, we was right there, man. We had these guys beat, and, uh, you know, it sucks when you have a, another big-time ball handler as far as this ball get injured. That put a lot of tough tasks on, on our team. Um, so it's, you know, you know, stuff like that happens as a part of the game. But, uh, you know, I'll take our chances this season. It's all, it's really up to us to, to see how, how good we really can be. It's really – uh, us to you know make make things happen or 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 to lose. Yeah, up three two on Golden State. You mentioned CP three gets injured. You guys think you edge them out if uh, Chris Paul doesn't go down with that injury? Yeah, I think we would have won the, the series for sure. Because um, you know when you have a team down three and if you're everybody's still healthy, then you really feel like you're. I, I mean, against a good team like that, when you got them down 3-2, it, it, it's tough to overcome. So, um, you know, you know, like I said, things happen. And uh, I still like our team and our chances this year, even though teams think we're regressed a little bit. Yeah, I should have known this off the top of my head, but when I saw your bio, it was reminded that you're 29. It kind of took me off guard a little bit because it feels like you've been around forever, like a lot longer than that with it being your 11th year in the league coming up here. And you've been so productive, you know, throughout your entire career, despite battling your share injuries. So, for you, what has been the biggest challenge in regards to kind of maintaining that productivity across an entire decade in the league? Uh, man, it's you know, um, I would say when I was done with injuries, that was for sure the tough thing. But to stay productive, it's it's just the uh, you know really love of the game and uh, really being able to compete and do things on a high level as much as possible. Uh, that, that's what it is with me, because you know I know I'm talented. It's all about you know making use of your time, uh, of your time, and making use of your talent. You know, on a day to day basis. So no matter the team that you've been on, whether it was with the Clippers who drafted you, or your time in New Orleans, or now in Houston, you've always had that a major role in the team you've been on. So this is kind of my way of asking, uh, how are you going to get yours? How are you going to get your shots up with James Harden, CP3, and then now the Rockets' new acquisition, Carmelo Anthony, all on the same team. Yeah, it's all about having a mentality of just being ready to play and being ready for whatever is thrown at you. If you, you know, if you got an open shot, you got to take it. And uh, you know, when you when you feel like you're a big time player, you're going to do big time things. You get, you know, you just got to be prepared because anything can happen when a guy gets injured or a guy's this and that. that you still got to bring that positive uh, in, impact in your mind where you can do whatever it takes to, to win the game or do whatever it takes for yourself to, to do something big. So uh, that was just my mindset. Yeah, and people joke about, you know, someone like Melo eating all the shots. But for real, like on the topic of Melo, uh, I want to get into that beach picture that CP3 posted on Twitter this summer with, with all you guys, all the Rockets on the beach. What was your guys' reaction when Melo walked on that beach in a in a hoodie? <laughs> yeah, that was something interesting because I'm telling you, it was that was a hot day. It was a hot muggy day. He was wearing a hoodie in almost 100 degree weather, so that was definitely that. It was definitely funny. We always crack up about that. I've always wondered, like, can a lot of guys hoop in a hoodie? Because I feel like it's harder to, you know, if you have a hood up to even be able to run. Like, is that something you could do? Is that something you have done in the past? Because that that trend that's taken over, I never thought that was very comfortable looking. Um. 
No, but I, I like hooping and stuff like that. You know, hoodies and sweaters, and I, I think that's good and fun to do. Uh, but I, you know, I don't think it really limits what you do. But I, you know, he took over that trade and is, you know, really has blown up for sure. You can hoop with the hood up, even. Doesn't affect your shot. Oh yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I still wear. No, it doesn't affect me. I just shoot. I during practice, I wear a hoodie sometimes. So, um, so I, you know, I really hasn't limited me in any in any way that's the, that's the new wave now and, and that kind of ties into like the whole nba social media scene you know how it's kind of blown up with the rise of twitter and instagram and all that like do you get into the whole nba social media scene like with the memes the emojis and kind of the all-around like comedy that comes from this league on social media oh for sure oh for sure you know everybody loves the drama of the nba i tell you NBA is good, and it's you know it's at its all time high for sure. But uh, you know, there's always something new in the NBA. Something there's always new news every day. People uh, commenting, you know, the eyeball emoji on Instagram or <laughs> whatever it might be. Like trade rumors will get started that way these days. It's crazy. I know, I know, but you know, hey, that's the crazy part about the NBA. Anything can happen at, at any time or whenever. So uh, you know stuff like that you know you just never know all right one more question about uh for some of the big 10 fans out there one of your teammates i want to get to and that's a that's vincent edwards the purdue recent purdue grad that's on the rockets with the rivalry between indiana and purdue do you guys ever you know trash talk a little bit do you do you uh give him a hard time being a rookie or or is that not really uh is that out of sight out of mind once you get to the league oh i definitely give him a hard time when we talk about indiana purdue that's for sure that is for sure. What'd you tell him? <clears throat> you know, I said, yeah, you go to Purdue, but all the real, you know, all the real hoopers really come out of Indiana. <laughs> I mean, if you look back, if you look back in history and time, I mean, the real hoopers go come from Indiana. You know, if you want to talk about NBA players and players, I mean, who's done well over the course of history, it's, it's Indiana for sure. You know, Purdue, they're just a bunch of. You know, they're a bunch of strong guys, stocky guys. They do go hard, but, you know, it's, it, they're, Indiana's purely basketball. You play good basketball. Now it's in your best interest. You know, if that's what you think, it's in your best interest now for uh, Vince to reverse that trend in your mind now that uh, he's a teammate of yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good teammate, man. He's, he's, a, he's a good guy. I did a great deal. You know, they've, done, oh, they've really done well since he's been there. And, uh, so, uh, you know, you got to give credit when credit's due. All right, Eric, before uh, we wrap up, um, obviously very high expectations in Houston once again surrounding you guys this season. What can we expect out of the, the Houston Rockets? And, and uh, you know, after coming so close last year, long season, obviously, there could be uh, all kinds of things playing out. But with Golden State still looming large, what can we expect out of you guys this year? Well, uh, you know, to make things easier on us to have a chance, we have to try to get to uh, regain home court advantage like we did last season. And, uh, you know, that really helps out a ton. And uh, once once we do that, then we can, you know, kind of pave the way of what we need to do. And uh, I still think we're going to be a championship caliber team. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get a rematch of that Western Conference Finals again. All right, Eric. Well, we're looking forward to the NBA season. Obviously, you've had a uh, great career. and It's very far from over. I'm really generous with your time today. And I really appreciate you jumping out with me. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, thanks once again to Eric for joining me, and best of luck to him. He enters his 11th season in the NBA, and uh, he doesn't need it. 
any good wishes for me because he's built a hell of a career in the NBA. And um, like I said, I'm sure he has plenty left in the tank as he still is on the, the right side of 30 here, uh, only 29, and, and I'm sure has a long way to go. So we'll get to our second part of this episode, a BTN Stathead segment with Harold Shelton. In just a moment, we're going to break down Big Ten football. But first, I want to let you know one more time about a master's program with our sponsor, the Northwestern University School of Professional Studies. You can build a solid foundation in strategic, creative, and analytic skills that are essential for success in the business of sports in the master's program in sports administration at Northwestern University. Find out more at sps.northwestern.edu sports. All right, now we will get to our second interview of the episode. It is with ETN researcher Harold Shelton. It is the stat hit segment. You know it. And we'll get to that interview right now. All right, very pleased to be joined once again for our regular stat head segment by BTN's in-house researcher, Harold Shelton. Hey, what's up, man? How was uh, your weekend? How you doing today? Uh, weekend was good. Weekend was a lot better than I expected it to be uh, after the result in Happy Valley, so uh, definitely feeling good. Yeah, so let's start there. Your Spartans pulled off the biggest surprise of the weekend, uh, beating Penn State at Beaver Stadium on a late Felton Davis touchdown. They won 21-17. You listen, last week, it's not something you were generally optimistic about heading into that matchup, but Michigan State kind of rose up and, and did what they did last year against Penn State and pulled off an unexpected upset. How'd they do it? You know, this is the most Mark D'Antonio win ever, right? I mean, you lose to Arizona State, you lose at home to Northwestern, you look bad at doing it, and then the whole chip on the shoulder comes back in. The disrespect stuff starts coming back in, and... You know, everybody says you can't win. There's no, ch- there's no chance. You're too beat up. You're going on the road. Penn State's got the extra week to prepare. You know, you're giving up 300 yards passing, and you still find a way to do it without six offensive starters making the trip. Sure. It's just one of those things where, for whatever reason, he always finds a way to get those guys ready to play, gets those guys believing in themselves, and, uh, you know, he called a very aggressive game from the jump. You know, all of the fakes, all the trick plays, um, even the, the late fake field goal, which I wasn't too crazy about. But, uh, you know, luckily the defense and the low work he the Felton Davis connection bailed him out of that one. Yeah, this is the stat head segment. Got to point out Trace McSorley broke Penn State's all-time passing record, yards record um, in that game. But beyond that, what are the concerns about Penn State going forward because now you know they got two losses in the east big 10 title conversation is probably over big picture what are some of the uh the overall worries about them going forward and and how do you approach the season now if you're in that fan base around that team yeah so now it's the second straight year i mean you you were 7-0 last year playing ohio state you got a lead late you lose the game you follow that up you got a lead against Michigan State in the fourth quarter. You lose it, playoff, Big Ten, all that over. 5-0 and this year, lead against Ohio State in the fourth. You blow it, play Michigan State, lead in the fourth quarter, you blow it. I'm sensing a pattern. Literally two straight years, back-to-back games, lose to both of them. The last five losses have all been by 12 points. So when Franklin keeps harping on the, you know, this is what, you know, Losing these games is what's keeping us from being elite. Like, I think part of it is the execution in the fourth quarter. Uh, those five losses, they've been outscored 62 to 19 in the fourth quarter. 
Uh, you know, only scored two touchdowns in those five games in the fourth quarter. So it kind of seems like they have trouble putting games away. They have the leads. They can't get the first downs when they need to. And that's very surprising considering all the firepower that they have on that team. Yeah, I guess that's that next step. And like you said, Franklin's discussion about becoming a lead, next step is closing out games and getting it done in the fourth quarter. So we'll see going forward if they can do it. It's still a very good season in play for them. But um, we got to turn our attention now to some contenders in the East Division in, in the Big Ten race. And we'll look to a game that was just significant as far as that's concerned in that race this past weekend. And that was Michigan putting a whooping on Wisconsin, 38-13, as they now charge forward to take on your Spartans this upcoming weekend. We'll preview that in just a second. But first off, Michigan didn't look like they were even in the same class as Wisconsin. They they made it look pretty easy. How they pull it off uh, at the big house, and I guess you know it looked like the running game really got going, and Shea Patterson. And even uh, his backup, McCaffrey, got into it a little bit. So they kind of ran all over the Badgers. How'd they do it? Yeah, it, w- it was interesting to see Michigan just kind of play man ball and just line up and say, I'm better than you. You know, you don't normally see that. You don't normally see Wisconsin get dominated like that. You know, they gave up 320 on the ground. You know, time of possession-wise, they had the ball for less than 23 minutes. I mean, it was just completely out of character for Wisconsin. Got to give Michigan a lot of credit for that. Uh, most rushing yards that Wisconsin allowed in a regular season game since 2005. Worst regular season loss in over a decade. I mean, Michigan just literally took it to them, had the ball for over 20 minutes in the second half. Uh, I think they just kept pounding away, kept pounding away, eventually wore down that Badgers defense. And it just goes to show you, you know, all those missing starters that Wisconsin lost from last year, plus the banged up guys this year, just too much to overcome. Yeah, Michigan's getting it rolling now a little bit. Actually, a lot of bit. They looked really good pretty much since that um, Notre Dame loss. And, and besides that hiccup against Northwestern, looked really solid. And, and I think there's a lot of confidence, and rightfully so, swirling in Ann Arbor. And we'll get to that Michigan State preview in just a second. But I did want to touch on uh, one or two more games from this past weekend first. We'll start with Ohio State struggling a little bit with Minnesota. And I will parlay that discussion into the news we got today with – Defensive end Nick Bosa, the All-American, you know, the potential number one pick. He's been out the last few games with a core muscle injury, and he announced today, and or Ohio State announced today, that he will not return to school. He'll kind of focus on getting right, getting ready for the NFL draft, and getting healthy. So are there some concerns maybe stacking up a little bit at Ohio State? I mean, they, they didn't look great against Minnesota. They did enough to win. They won 30-14, to 14, but it wasn't a dominating performance by any means. And then now with this... Nick Bosa injury, even though Ohio State's schedule is pretty soft for the next month or so, are you worried at all about the Buckeyes, even though they're the number two team in the country? I definitely think there's some concern there. I mean, after seven games, you kind of are what you are, I think, at this point. I mean, there's you know areas you can get better at, but they've been giving up big plays since week one against Oregon State. You know, that's continued. I mean, Minnesota's had trouble running the ball in Big Ten play since Flex been there. Um, and they ran for 178. You know, it looks like they were kind of blowing Ohio State off the ball for a while. Um, now, to Ohio State's credit, they gave up a lot of yards early. You know, they gave up the 14 points early, shut down Minnesota after that. You know, they they would find ways to put teams away. You know, 70 outscoring teams 79-13 in the fourth quarter this year. So 
when it really gets tough, when it's money time, they find ways to make plays, but they're definitely living dangerously. Um, and we'll see if, you know, a more explosive offense can put them in a hole where they can't get out of it. Yeah, I don't want to over-exaggerate or, um, you know, overhype any of the Buckeyes' problems because the only team that's really looked infallible this year is Alabama. We've seen Clemson struggle. We saw Georgia go down. LSU has a loss. And Notre I mean, Dame this past week. Yeah, Notre Dame, exactly. So the Buckeyes' struggles are not unique. Every team has pretty much had them except for the Crimson Tide. So all things considered, they've looked extremely good. However, uh, just want you to kind of put in context Nick Bosa's impact if you can. And even though the Buckeyes know what they look like without Bosa, how does this maybe change any projections or the way you approach the second half of the season? Yeah, I would say the Nick Bosa impact is definitely uh, is definitely a big one. Uh, not getting him back. I mean, when you you saw when he was playing, you know, he recovered a touchdown against Oregon State. He, you know, had another strip sack against TCU. He had four sacks in pretty much two and a half games. And when he was in the game, you couldn't double Chase Young and him at the same time. You had to kind of pick your poison. And even though they're really, really deep up front, it's not the same when you lose arguably the best defensive lineman in college football. And Chase Young's really, really good. You know, he's been one of the breakout players in the Big Ten. But now you can start sending more guys his way. You know, he might see an extra tight end over there, uh, a back that stays in the chip instead of just going one-on-one with a tackle. And now the depth... It, you know, you have to rely on that more when you, instead of just having your top two, now your number two guy becomes your number one, your number three becomes your number two, so on and so forth. So those guys just can't live up to Nick Bosa, but the depth will just have to try to figure out a way to make it happen. All right, and before we get into week eight's matchups, I do want to bring up one more statistical, maybe not anomaly, but an uh, improbability from this past weekend, and that was the outcome in the Northwestern Nebraska game as Nebraska's streak of futility was extended. Uh, they just can't get it done. You know, they're up 10 points with a few minutes left at Ryan Field against Northwestern. And did you see that win probability? Uh, the chart, like, toward the end of that game, it was like, it was like in the high 90s, wasn't yeah, it? like 98% or something like that. Some, something crazy. And, you know, you're up 10, you know, Northwestern, gets the field goal cuts it to seven you can't ice the game but all right you have a great punt northwestern's got to go 99 yards oh wait they go 99 yards and send the game to overtime and then to make matters worse you get a personal foul penalty to start the drive for northwestern to get them out of their own end and then once you get to ot you get the false start you get the bad snap, which which means you throw a pick in the end zone. They continue to find ways to beat themselves. And I feel like any time it's, – it's in their head now. So any time that something goes wrong, it's, up oh, here we go again. Right. Here we go again. And I feel like it's going to be that way until they finally get over the hump. Right. Northwestern won that game 34-31 in overtime. As we mentioned, that win probability flipped on its head from late in the fourth quarter. Uh, Northwestern drove down the field and avoided what would have been a, a tough loss at home to them. Now they're in first place in the West. We'll see how long that lasts, if they can maintain it at the top. And really looking at that win probability, the only higher one you can really imagine is probably a game you're familiar with, uh, Michigan State, with uh, the what's, – what's the, what's the official name for that game where they blocked the punt? 
And um, I guess the trouble with the snap game is that is that count? Trouble with the snap game. All right. Uh, the Rangers game, which is uh, the the block, the pump block team, is what D'Antonio calls them, the Rangers. So I go with either one, but I think trouble with the snap most people are familiar with. That's probably where the even probability is possibly a little higher than the one yeah. we saw uh, between Northwestern and Nebraska. But I want to lead uh, use that to lead into our preview of next week, and we'll start off with Michigan. Michigan State with those two aforementioned teams and we uh, discussed those two teams quite a bit in our recap of last week so now they're going head-to-head it's a rivalry you're really familiar with as a MSU alum and fan which team has the edge in this one obviously Michigan will probably um, you know be favored in the run game Michigan State still struggled to get that going Karan Higdon said he's running behind the best offensive line in the country after their win against Wisconsin First of all, we'll start right there. Do stats back that up? Is he is he right about that? Is that uh, a legitimate conversation that we could have? I wouldn't say it's the best uh, O line. I mean, they're they're much improved. I think Ed Warner's done a great job with that unit. Um, in years past, they would usually run against the overmatched teams, and then whenever they played a team that was as physical as them, it would be tough sledding. But as we saw, uh, they ran all over Wisconsin. However, they didn't do much at all against that tough Notre Dame front. They're going to face another really tough front this week. So, I mean, we'll see how much they've improved uh, in the run game from week one to now. All right, how about your Spartans? Uh, what do they have to look to do to take advantage of the Wolverines? And, and obviously they'll have home field advantage, but beyond that, where might they hold some edges over Michigan? Uh, they need to make it a rock fight. They have to figure out a way to – to just kind of stay in it like they did with Penn State. Um, it would certainly help if they got some of those offensive players back. I mean, Daryl Stewart, Jalen Naylor uh, potentially could be back. I mean, Cody White's going to be out. But, I mean, against Penn State, they were down, you know, receivers two through five. You know, they were all pretty much banged up and didn't make the trip. So I think if they were able to get, you know, Stewart and Naylor back to go along with Felton Davis, that could allow things to open up because otherwise if it's just Davis, I could see Michigan, you know, basically sending two guys his way and making things even harder for Lewerke against that really good defense. All right, that'll be a really good one to watch as it usually is, and and Michigan now controls its own destiny, not only in the East but in the Big Ten championship picture and likely in the national picture as well. So right back in the discussion. Yeah, that's what makes this game interesting and, and the win against Penn State makes this one even more interesting, more than just the rivalry. Michigan State still controls their destiny True. in the East. Like yep. that win over Penn State opened that possibility back up. You know, instead of a three and three team with two losses in the Big Ten, now this is a one loss team hosting the two teams in front of them. So if Michigan State can find a way to win this game, that makes the Michigan State Ohio State game even bigger down the line. But if Michigan wins, big picture that is a mega game in Columbus at the end of the year. Right, and then the King of the Hill in the East currently, like we've talked about at length, is the Buckeyes, and they climbed all the way to number two in the country with Georgia losing. And they have an interesting matchup this weekend with the Purdue Boilermakers. Purdue's coming off a uh, decisive win at Illinois where they pretty much lit up Illinois' defense like they've done with uh, several other defenses in the, the last month or so. Does Ohio State have to be worried about Purdue at all, especially with how David Blau is that offense humming lately? Yeah, I think Ohio State's going to have to win a shootout. I mean, I don't know if you can argue that there are two quarterbacks playing better football right now than Dwayne Haskins and David Blau. And that's in the country, not just in the Big Ten. Sure. I mean, since Blau's been the starter, 
you know, Haskins and Blau are one in three nationally in passing yards yeah. since September 15th. So Purdue's offense is humming right now. It has 611 yards against Illinois. Sorry about that. Yeah. But, I mean. It's they, what it is. Yeah, I know. I know. But, yeah, they're, they're rolling right now. And it's not just Rondell Moore. You know, they're getting Bryson Hopkins involved. Isaac Zico had a couple touchdowns. You know, they, they have a lot of weapons, and with that Ohio State secondary being kind of leaky right now, like, it could be an issue, and it might have to be a situation where Haskins just has to throw them to a win. Any other matchups you're keeping an eye on in uh, Big Ten this weekend? The West is kind of up for grabs now, as we mentioned, with Wisconsin going down, Northwestern at the top there. What are, what are some other matchups you might be looking at? Uh not, not really a matchup for me, but the team that I'm looking at is Iowa. I feel like Iowa is playing the best of any team in the West right now. And if they would have thrown the ball sooner against Wisconsin, they're probably undefeated in the top 15, and we're looking at them as 2015 all over again. I think this Iowa team is more talented than that 2015 team that went 12-0. They've got the best tight end group in the country. Nate Stanley's thrown for 14 touchdowns over the last, what, three weeks. I mean, Fant and Hawkinson getting the end zone every game. I think Fant's the third all-time amongst tight end, amongst Big Ten tight ends and receiving touchdowns. You know, Stanley just threw for six himself last week. You know, passed Chuck Long for most five pass TD games in a career. I mean, they are playing really, really good football right now and with the the race kind of being a four-teamer right now I think I was playing the best and I wouldn't be surprised if they were the team that got the Andy only way it would have gotten better this past week is if CJ Beathard and the Niners could have held on against Green Bay last night but yeah that would have been we, nice we won't get into that anymore <laughs> I'm already too salty from this past weekend of football with the Bears and the Packers and, and the rest of it so uh, a lot of good stuff H as always uh, we'll be watching closely this weekend and you know as some teams start to kind of fall out of the discussion other teams take their place and I'm sure it'll be really intriguing as we head down the home stretch here oh yeah for sure definitely need northwestern to win so we can set up that northwestern wisconsin first place in the division matchup next week and we'll talk some hoops soon all right yes Sound sir good? all right forward to it all right until next time uh it's been fun and like i said look forward to it all right sounds good all right thanks once again to harold and eric gordon for joining me a lot of fun in this episode. Uh, mix it up a little bit, like I said. Generally, talk football this time of year, but basketball season's right around the corner. NBA season started last night, and Eric Gordon's season with the Rockets, his third season with Houston, starts tonight, starts Wednesday. So, glad we were able to get Eric on to both reflect on his career and talk some current NBA hoops. All right, before we wrap up, definitely have to give a shout-out to my producer, Julie Bronder. I assistant producer Colleen Degnan both are very helpful and uh, very integral in the process of putting these episodes together I want to thank all of you for listening and once again a reminder we'll have another episode this week detailing Big Ten Basketball Media Day uh, just a reflection a kind of roundup from last week's Media Day in Rosemont Illinois and we'll preview the Big Ten Basketball season and the upcoming college basketball season with the Sporting News Mike DeCourcy so that'll come up here probably in the next day or so and until then We'll talk to you next time here on the Take 10 Podcast.